My name is Sean. I have the opportunity and the honor to um, fill in tonight for Pastor Tim. So grateful for that. Uh, I had the opportunity as well to be the small group pastor here. Uh, many of you guys are small group leaders, uh, participating in small groups. And I tell you what, God's doing some great things through our small group ministry. We're actually getting ready to kick back up here in the new year. Uh, January, Susan is here over here. She'll probably make sure my dates are right. But January 15th, I believe, is the deadline for small group leader uh, uh, applications to get turned in. And then we kick groups off. They open up for our whole church body on January 19th. And then you'll have a couple weeks there to kind of check out the groups, see what they're all about. And then on February 2nd, that week of February 2nd, um, all of our groups open. And I'm kind of throwing a crazy group out there um, this uh, coming spring. And I'm saying it, so it's going to commit me for it. But I'm going to do a ping pong group. <laughs> Just, you laugh, but I miss it. So any ping pong players out there? Oh, look at you guys. See, you're showing up tonight. That's good. So um, keep, keep an eye out for that. Maybe it'll be one of the biggest groups in the church. We'll see. Um, but, but, you know, the idea of that group is, is that's something I enjoy to do. I haven't done that. I haven't played ping pong really since um, high school. So um, I'm going to practice against my kids, and I should win. But um, it, it's, the idea is, is with our small groups is relationship. It's really a relationship. That's really the point of our small groups. And out of those small groups, we have discipleship groups and we have common interest groups. And um, we have groups that are just kind of doing that, building relationship. And so during our group, hey, we'll play ping pong, we'll eat some food, and we'll pray for each other, encourage each other. And uh, hopefully I win. And um, maybe we'll even give out, give out trophies or medals. It'll be really great. But I am honored to be here tonight. We're going to have a great night. Um, tonight, my idea, this, this, this time that I get to share with you guys, is something that's really been on my heart, especially maybe even during this the season that we're in. Christmas is next Wednesday. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I love Christmas. It's a fun time of year. Um, I love being able to bless um, my family and my kids and other people around me just um, with gifts and not really gifts just in that, but just spending that family time, that, those connections, those kind of uh, time that we get to spend with our families. And so I really encourage you guys to take that time. That's why we're just focusing on that Tuesday night, that Christmas Eve service and letting you guys just on that Christmas day, just spend time with your families and friends and, and really make those kind of memories. Um, um, but that's coming up, and I'm really excited about that. And, but this idea, this, this talk I, I have for us tonight, it's entitled this. We're in this real-life series, but I kind of titled it this. It's the me I want to be. The me I want to be. And there's no trick question here. It's not, it's not a trick question. Uh, the me that I want to be is I want to be more like Christ. Uh, that's, that's the me I want to be. And maybe when you were a kid, someone said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you threw out, you know, a policeman or, or a garbage man or a teacher or a doctor or a dump truck driver or whatever maybe you, you know, as a child wanted to be when you grew up or astronaut or whatever that looked like for you. But this idea tonight, the, the me that I want to be for us and where we are is I want us to kind of zone in and understand that the me that I want to be is more and more like Christ, more and more like Christ. Um, and this is something that we're really never going to obtain, right? You guys with me? You're right. We're never going to obtain that. Uh, we're not. We're not going to be able to obtain that. But I believe as Christians, we're in constantly in this state of growth. We're, we're constantly growing. We're constantly looking at our lives in this process of growth, growth. And it's a step in our growth. And it's a review in that growth. And then we take another step. And then we review kind of where we're at. And then we take another step and we review kind of where we're at. And the idea of, of being more and more like Christ is not just taking steps towards Christ, because it says in God's word, not just to be a hearer of the word, right? 
So it's not just becoming and, and sitting in a seat in the church and that kind of thing, but it's growing with God and then kind of looking at the fruit, reviewing how it's growing. If you're growing an apple tree and, you know, the, the apples that are produced from that tree are all shriveled up and they're like this small, it's like, okay, well, maybe I should do something different. Maybe there should be some better nutrients in the soil. Maybe it needs a better location. Maybe this, maybe that. It's a constant review. And in our lives, as Christians, we constantly need to be reviewing kind of what our life looks like, kind of how we are growing. What are we, what are we producing? How, how does that growth process look for us? And so that's kind of what I want to look at. And we're going to look at something specifically in this, but the me that I want to be, and I want to be more and more like Christ. And so if we can look at this first scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. Therefore, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. And this is a scripture we've heard before. I understand that. But this kind of sets up that idea that we are to be imitators of God. And it says, it kind of throws this example out there as well-beloved children imitate their father. And I do have two kids. Um, I, my son is almost 11. And that's crazy. Crazy. He's almost 11 years old. And my, son, uh, my, my daughter is 8. And when they were real young, two years old, three years old, all they wanted to do is kind of follow around mom and dad, kind of see what we were doing. If I was outside washing the car, man, my little, my little girl would get a sponge and, and wash with me. And she wasn't really doing anything, but just wanted to imitate what I was doing, right? Uh, I was working on some cabinets one day in my, um, in my house. Uh, um, actually, I was putting on safety things for my kids, you know, safety latches. They didn't know, but I'm putting on these safety latches, and my son's there with me with the screwdriver, um, putting on safety latches with me. He wasn't really doing that, but what was he doing? He was imitating what I was doing. And I think that's kind of what, through the scripture, God's really wanted to uh, explain to us is that, that we're to be imitators of God. We're to copy him. We're to follow our leader. We are, the whole idea, even if Simon says that whole idea of copying, that's what we are to do. William Penn had this quote, and he said this, to be like Christ is to be a Christian. And to be a Christian is to become like Christ. So it's not either or, it's the and element that, that we are to be a Christian, we are to become like Christ. We are become like Christ. Not just to say, to have a status of a Christian, but we are to become like Christ. Are you guys with me tonight? So that's, that's, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. What does it mean to become like Christ? What are some characteristics of Christ? And then how do we actually put those in our lives, okay? So we're going to look here in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to dig into this a little bit. We've got a couple, of passes, or a couple of verses here we're going to read. So just follow along with me. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in what? Humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. All right, really powerful. Verse 5, it says, in your relationships, all right, so relationships with each other, people we know, maybe people we don't know, but people that we're around, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So what does that sound a little bit? Like imitation, the same mindset of Christ Jesus in our relationship. Verse 6, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather, he made himself what? He made himself nothing, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. 
Isn't that just powerful? Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for that? This is what Jesus did for you and for me. He left what he had. He left the being part of the Trinity, the Father, um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who were all together in the creation of our universe, breathed life into man, was, was with God. He left that. He, he, um, it says right here that he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. He gave all that up for you and for me. He made himself nothing. What a humble God that we have. What a humble God that we have. And we see that through what Jesus did here for us. And just so we understand this idea of humility, this, this humble idea, humility is not a sign of weakness. Humility in, in itself is a sign of strength. And you look at your own self. It is hard to be humble. You know, we're, we're going to dig into that. And we're going to see what that looks like. But let's look in, in the message paraphrase in verse 8. It says this. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. This whole idea of selfless. The me that I want to be tonight is I want to be selfless. I want to be selfless. So we're going to dig into this. Let's look at this idea of selfless means this. Selfless means someone who cares more about other people than he cares for himself. Cares more for other people than he cares for himself. We have passages in the Bible that we've studied since we were in elementary school. It says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 31, love your neighbor as your self. And so we see that and we know that. And I want us to kind of look at this a little bit because there's a tension though. Although we know that, and although it sounds really good on paper, right? There's a tension. There's a problem with this idea of being selfless. And the problem is right here. It's self. The less part's good. It's the self part that we have a problem with. We, we, we deal with this. And it even says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And so this idea of selfless is very important. But there's that tension. There's this problem. And it's nothing against any of us. The idea of selfishness really is it's part of human nature. It, we, we were born selfish. Um, our self gets in the way all the time. We're constantly battling this idea of self. We constantly are battling, battling the idea of self-centered thoughts, aren't we? Thoughts like this. Maybe you've never thought these. Maybe it's just me. But thoughts like this. How will this affect me? My way is better. Don't nudge anybody next to you. What I have to say is more important than what you have to say. Why do I have to clean up after their mess? What will I get out of this? How can I get out of this? What about me? What about me? What about me? And don't tell me you've never had those thoughts. Those thoughts constantly are running through our mind. They, they constantly are there with that self-centered idea. If you don't believe me, hang out with a six-month-old baby for eight hours. They're, they're self, we're born selfish. It's human nature. If you still don't believe me, hang out with a group of kindergartners. It's crazy. What is it? It's all about me. It's mine. It's, it's how can I get for me. It, it's that self, self-ish idea. Um, when I was growing up, I have an older brother. Not when I was growing up. My life, I have an older brother. Uh, he, he lives in Tampa. Um, he's a couple years older than I am. And then I have a younger sister that actually lives here in town. And uh, a younger brother that lives uh, up by the panhandle. And we're, it's going to be great. We're all going to get together for Christmas. And um, we all have kids. And so it's crazy. Um, uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, but 
when I was growing up, I remember being middle school and high school, and there was always this competition. There was, it was three boys in the house, and, it, you know, after school, all the boys wanted to do was raid the fridge, right? All we wanted to do was get in the fridge. And we constantly had this thing, this, this selfish thing sometimes, of writing our names down on what we wanted. Like, leftovers, like, that was ours. Don't mess with my stuff. It's mine. Um, maybe in your fridge right now, that's, that's what it looks like. Everybody's names on everything. And as I started to work, um, I liked whole milk. Any whole milk fans? I don't like water milk, like skin milk. It's not into that. So this, this is kind of lame, but I liked whole milk. So I would personally buy, with my own money, milk, and I'd write my name on it and put it in the fridge that my parents bought in the house that they are paying for, but it was my milk, you know? And... That we're, we're selfish that way. We're, we're, we're geared that way. And it, it's, I'm not putting us down. I'm just kind of making it a reality to understand that we are selfish in nature. Um, let me compare a little bit the ideas of selfish people and selfless people, okay? Selfish people make life harder for others. They're prideful. They interrupt. They are me-focused. They're always in a rush. They're takers. They're defensive. They demand service. They are impatient. All right? And maybe we can relate to some of those ideas. Selfless people make life more pleasurable for those around them. They are humble. They listen. They're others focused. They're patient. They give. They're kind. They think the best. They make allowances. They love the unlovable, and they are ultimately happier people. Those are selfless, selfless kind of people. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person that I desire to be. And if we can all be honest, that's not the person I always am. But that's where that process of growth comes in, that we're constantly stepping and reviewing, stepping and reviewing, that we have to constantly kind of go back in our lives, and even you tonight and and, and maybe people that are listening online, to kind of look at our lives and say, am I being selfish or am I being selfless? Am I giving or am I taking? Am I being patient or impatient? You know, and so we have to constantly look at that and what that looks like for us. Um, and, and selfless, the whole idea of being selfless is way better than being selfish. People would rather hang out with selfless people than selfish kind of people. And, you know, even as a, as a um, culture, we get, like, we get pumped. We get excited when, man, people are selfless. You know, when you guys came in and you brought, how, how many tons of food came in for Thanksgiving? 22,000 pounds of food. Man, that gets people pumped, man. That's like selfless. It's like, hey, I'm going to go out and buy for other people. You know, we had Christmas blessing that we're doing right now, and the halls were filled with people getting gifts this past week and, you know, blessing people that maybe weren't able to do Christmas. And that's awesome. And we look around and we see people even in the service industry, like firefighters and police officers and doctors and nurses and teachers and coaches, military personnel, parents, kids, students, giving of themselves. Giving, laying down themselves for others. Um, I even saw a post from one of my friends um, this week that somebody in front of them, we talk about this for you guys to do this, um, but somebody in front of them bought their uh, coffee in the drive-thru line. You just randomly, like that's selfless. That's like, that's like outside of your realm and, and doing something for somebody else with no expectation of return. And, you know, we challenge you guys to do that. But for somebody from our church to say, you know, someone just did that for me. That's cool, man. That, 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 people get excited behind that. And, and we see these kind of selfless acts and uh, some of them are, are really heroic even. Um, there was a story of a police officer in Texas that came across an overturned car. It was burning with a teenage girl trapped inside. 
And he recruited onlookers to help him lift the car so he can crawl inside to help the girl out. When he got inside the car, he realized that the girl was trapped and had to get back outside the car to get a knife. Then he had to crawl back inside to get the girl out. And then as he pulled the girl out, just as he pulled the girl out, the car engulfed with flames. What is that? That is an act of selflessness. That is an act of selflessness. Now, that's, that's an extreme act of selflessness. That, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And we look in our lives, and, and unless you're listening to police scanners and different things like that, finding out maybe where there's accidents that you're rushing to a different act, there may not be an opportunity to have that element of selflessness, maybe in a physical act. But, but listen to me, church. Here's the deal. Not everyone we see is in a physical crisis. We see people on a day in and day out, and maybe you're even here tonight, that people are, are in need of help spiritually, need of help physically, need of help emotionally, need of help mentally. We live in a world where people really are trapped. Just like this girl maybe was trapped in this physical di- condition. There's a lot of people that are just trapped in their other conditions. Their emotional, spiritual, physical, mental conditions that we're just trapped in really in the wreckage of life. Yes. Maybe we're just caught up in the wreckage of life. Things that maybe have gone on and we pass by and, and we're around people all the time that are dealing with those kind of situations. On the outside, we got our church clothes on, our hair's brushed, our teeth are in. We're good. On, on the outside, we got it all put together. We drive a nice car. We, we, we do this. We do that. We're very charismatic. But let's just be real. A lot of times, there's, there's that turmoil on the inside of us that we're dealing with this stuff. And I think that's what you know, God has us here for. I think that God has us here for a reason that we can be you know, used by him to maybe help out in some of these situations. And we're going to dig into this in a little bit. But where does that start? Where does this selflessness start? I believe it starts right in our world, right in your world. Not world as in the figure of world, but world right where you are. In your realm of influence. Right in your realm of influence. It starts in your home. And I realize that. Not every person here is married tonight, and I, I get that, I understand that. But if you are married here tonight, or if you wish one day to be married to somebody it, tonight, um, not tonight get married, but in the future, <laughs> we could, if that's so, something, get with me afterwards. Um, if, you're, if, if you're married tonight, I'll tell you, you know, and I, I do some premarital counseling and some, and some marital counseling, I'll tell you, that idea of selfishness, that idea of humility, man, it's on the top, it's on the top two. Top three elements. If you want to have a successful relationship with your spouse, it's that idea of selflessness. If you're, if you're not having that, uh, a successful relationship with your, with your spouse, I challenge you, man, be selfless for a day. See how it goes. Be selfless for a week. Be selfless for a month and see how your relationship takes and how, how it develops and how it goes. Um, I believe like if you, if you have kids, I know everybody doesn't have kids tonight, but maybe you even have a mentoring opportunity or however that would look. I believe with our, with our, with children, we have to intentionally parent them. We have to teach them how to be selfless. Don't let that time go by. You know, don't let the time go by. Look for ways. Talk with, with your spouse or whoever that would be, maybe be a friend or, or whatever the situation may be. Talk to that person. How can I develop my, my, my child or the students that I'm mentoring? How can I develop them to be selfless or a, grand, a grandchild? How can I encourage them or just develop a conversation that they would think of others before they would think of themselves and to be more selfless and less selfish? So I think it starts right where you are, right where you are in your home, in other relationships, through your neighborhood, your job, your boss, that rude coworker. Come on, preacher. 
It starts right where you are. In schools and stores and parking lots, it starts right where you are that we can develop that idea of selflessness, not selfishness. And so if we are really wanting to be the me that I, that I want to be, and that is to be more like Christ, let's look at an idea, let's look at a, a, a story, an example of Jesus while he was walking on this earth, all right? We're going to look in John chapter 4. We're not actually going to read it. I just want to talk to you a little bit about it. But Jesus right here, he's traveling from Judea to Galilee. And what the, the Jews would do at this time is they would go out and around Samaria, because they thought the Samaritans were unclean. They thought they were unacceptable. And so they would kind of go out of their way between Judea and Galilee, this, this longer route, because they didn't want to go through Samaria. But Jesus, he had this deliberate decision. He deliberately decided to not go around, but to go through. To not avoid, but to make contact. And he, he goes on this journey and he's, he's going down this path. And I can imagine, you know, maybe the disciples, you know, they're, they're coming up to the, to the, the red light in the road. I, I don't know. They probably didn't have that. But they, the cactus, they come up to the, the road and it's either go this way or go this way. And they chose to go this way. And the disciples are like, uh, hey, hey, Jesus, I'm supposed to go the other way. And Jesus is like, I got this. I know. And the disciples are probably freaking out, talking to each other, like, hey, where are we going? Why are we going this way? It's not where we're supposed to go. It's not the convenient route, but I guess we're supposed to follow Jesus. And he goes to this uh, on the way, and he stops at a Samaritan village. And at this point, he's a little bit tired, and so he decides to rest. And he rests at this well. And as he's there, the disciples are like, hey, I'm not sticking around here, so I'm going to go get some food. So the disciples leave. They go get some food and thinking that, hey, once we get back with our food, Jesus will be ready to go and we'll be out of here and we don't have to stay here any longer. It'll be great. So they go and get their food. Jesus is there. He's by himself. He's at this well. And then we cue in the Samaritan woman, right? You guys know the story? Everybody's with me? Do I need to get the flannel graph out? You guys are good? All right. So the cue in the, the, the Samaritan woman. And the, the woman comes up, and she's coming to this well on the outside of the city. She's coming to this well because she is physically thirsty. She needs water. But the problem here is she's coming to this well at high noon, right? And we weren't there, but um, the, what, what is known about this is you don't normally go to the well at high noon. You know, it, it's a, that's a big chore. That's a big thing. That's the very hottest time of the day. You go to the well. You go to the well maybe in the morning or later in the evening where it's a little bit cooler. Maybe people are home and they can help you. Um, but you don't go to the well at, at high noon. The reason she came to the well at high noon, the reason she was there, it was that she was doing her best to avoid other people. She was doing her best because she was, to avoid other people because she was embarrassed. She was talked about. She was an outcast of the city. She was ashamed even of her own self. She carried shame. Why? Because she had experienced this rejection from the last five husbands that she's had. And the husband that she was with was not even her husband. And so she's broken. She's hurting. She's stressed. She's lonely. She was even in the search of something. She was there. And here's Jesus. Jesus who was maybe tired, Jesus who decided to go this way, Jesus who maybe decided to make contact when other people maybe wouldn't have made contact. Here is Jesus at this moment with this lady. And I think at some point we can all relate to some of that emotion that she was dealing with. I think at some point we've all felt embarrassed. I think at, all, at some point we've all maybe felt ashamed. Maybe we've all felt embarrassed or talked about or broken or hurting. We can kind of relate to those emotions, right? We've kind of all been there. We've kind of all been at that place where we don't want to see anybody 
We've all been there. We don't want to see anybody because I'm dealing with all this. And what does the devil try to do? The devil tries to isolate us. The devil tries to separate us. The devil tries to de- cause us to be depressed, pushes us to the side. On the outside, you may look like you have it all together. On the outside, things may be okay. But on the inside, man, these things are, 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 are eating you up on the inside. And I love what Jesus does here. I love what Jesus does here because he, he takes a moment and he could have seen this woman coming and left, but he crosses so many other lines here in, in the culture because there was these barriers that people weren't supposed to cross. Jews weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. Males were not supposed to talk to females in public unless they were your wife. You weren't supposed to cross the righteous and unrighteous kind of barrier but but jesus does this why does jesus do this why does he break down this barrier why does he break down this wall that this woman has been building up for years of feeling judged feeling left out feeling pushed to the side feeling wrecked on the inside why does jesus do this because jesus looked past her hurt to see her heart he looked past those things past the outer things to see her heart. And then he has this amazing conversation with her. He's asking her questions. He's listening. They're kind of going back and forth and talking. What is he doing? He's showing her compassion. He's, he's giving her time. And they're having this amazing conversation. And she kind of gets to the realization that Jesus is the Messiah. That he, this guy at the well, is the Messiah. And she runs back to the village. And she tells other people. And they're starting to freak out. And, and all these things are going on. And, and they believe that he's the Messiah. And, and, and this whole thing is going on in the village because of this one woman. And then I think Jesus does something really cool here. He says, he says and, and it goes on. And it says that Jesus and decides to say two more nights. <laughs> and I think he just did that to spite the disciples. <laughs> I think he's like, hey. I know you guys went to get food, but hey, we're not leaving. We're staying a couple more nights. We're going to eat with these people and celebrate with these people. And just to let you know, that's what we're doing. And I think Jesus, he kind of throws that out there as this whole idea of being selfless. And I love this idea of this example that Jesus showed for you and for I, for me. He slowed down a little bit. He was walking. He was on the way. He was going into Galilee. He was going to a better place, but he slowed down. He stopped at this well. And he looked around. And I think that's kind of what is a reminder for us is Jesus was doing what his day in and day out was. He was walking from where he's supposed to go to the next place that he was supposed to be. He was doing his day in and day out. He was, for us, driving from point A to point B, dropping our kids off here, going to the grocery store there. He was going to church. He was going to uh, the uh, Starbucks. He was going to the grocery store. He was going to the department store. He was doing what, what he was supposed to be doing. And and, and then he just was there. He was doing his day in and day out. But he stopped and he slowed down. There wasn't a crowd there. He's used to speaking with thousands and thousands of people. There wasn't a crowd here. It was the one. It was the one. And no one else was there. It was just Jesus and and this woman. And he sat with her and asked her questions. And he listened and showed concern, showed that compassion. And then what he did, he shared the truth. He shared the truth, and the truth is what changed her life. The truth is what changed the village's life. And what I find really fascinating that sometimes maybe we have a hard time relating to because we can tend to do the opposite sometimes in these kind of situations. And just being real, this is going to throw it out there, but um, Jesus didn't judge her. He didn't judge her. And a lot of times that's easy for us to do. 
You know, we, we automatically, we can walk in the room and we can judge people or situations or this thing or that thing or why is this happening, why is this happening in their lives. We automatically can go easily into that judgmental mode. But I love what it says in Luke chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking to us. This is in the message paraphrase. It says this, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. Sounds a little bit like selflessness. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity. Listen, the way our Father lives toward who? Toward us. Generously, graciously. Even when we're at our worst. Live it out. Live out what, what, what our Father has done for us, where He has generously lived for us. He has graciously given to, us, given to us, even at our worst. How many of you guys have seen people at their worst before? Yeah, we see that all the time. When people are at their worst, is when God says here, hey, live generously, live graciously towards them. Extend that grace to them, just like I extended grace and mercy to you. Give a gift of grace. Give a gift of selflessness. Give a gift of mercy to the people that maybe were around. I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. In verse 36, it says, uh, Our Father is kind. It says, You be kind. Our Father is kind. You be kind. It, it kind of reminds me back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God. Thank God He's kind. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that he poured grace out in my life. Man, I have no idea where I would be. Man, because of what God's grace has done in my life, he's rewritten my story. He's rewritten my ending. He's changed who I am. And I tell you what, because of what he's done for me, his kindness for me, his mercy for me, his grace for me, man, there's something on the inside of me that says, hey, if God says uh, that he is kind, then man, sign me up. I want to be, the me I want to be is like Christ and I want to be kind. God says he's not going to judge that, hey, on the inside of me, I'm going to muster up a little bit more strength not to judge somebody around me. Man, God says, hey, I'm, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be selfless. The man, on the inside of me, I've got to find these ways to be a little bit more selfless and to be a little bit more humble. Verse 37, this is a get real kind of verse. I hope you're ready. It says this, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course... You want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people and you'll find life a lot easier. Hey, man, I'm so glad that God didn't judge me. He didn't come to this world to condemn the world. He didn't come to this world to, to judge our actions, to judge our words, to judge our thoughts, to judge our intentions. Listen to me. He came into this world to save. He came into this world to forgive. He came into this world to comfort he came into this world to help us. Help us. And man, if there is any part of me, the me that I want to be is like Christ, then I want to find ways that I can help others. That I can find ways that I can forgive others. If I can find ways to, to comfort others, like he's comforted me, then I want to look for ways to be able to comfort the ones around me. Why do I want to be selfless? Why do I want to be selfless? Because he was selfless and he became nothing for me. He was selfless. I'd be selfless. This next week, hey, we're going to be around family, family that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, things are going on. Man, I was cut off three times today in traffic just getting to church. Uh, people are driving kind of crazy outside, right? Not you guys. You guys are good drivers. Other people, 
not so good. Th- things are going on. We're going to have opportunities to be a little bit selfish. I am challenging us as a church. I'm challenging myself is that we can look for ways to be selfless. When you, when you are, are starting to feel a little bit self- selfish, man, drop that. Pick up the idea of selflessness. And I tell you what, it's going to say something for you. You're going to feel better. It's going to say something for the people that you're around. Man, people are just going to be encouraged. People are going to be challenged. This idea of what Jesus did for this woman at the well, and that selflessness that he said, you know what, you're more important than what my agenda was. You're you're taking care of you and, and, and taking care of your heart is more important than what my plan was. Man, that changed her life. And listen, it changed the rest of the people she was around, their lives. And when we pass that selflessness, when we pass that grace on the people around us, man, what they do, then they begin to pass that on and, and then pass it over to here and pass it over there. And these things are happening all around us. And there's some things that we do that you could touch someone's life in a passing, in a day-by-day kind of reaction, maybe just getting a door, maybe simply as just a smile, maybe um, blessing somebody in, in the in the drive-through line, or buying someone's groceries, or doing this or doing that. When when we can be kind to our spouse, when we can lay down what our agenda is and pick up somebody else's agenda and help them, when we do those things, man, we can be impacting their lives. But who knows who else's life we're impacting? Who knows? And, and that's what Jesus is trying to get across to us here is is this idea of, of selflessness, this idea of. Treating the people around us the way that he would want us to be treated, to treat them. In Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, in verse 1, this scripture is not going to be on the screen. I want you just to listen to this. This is kind of like the recap of this whole idea in Philippians, okay? Philippians chapter 2, reading the message paraphrase. Listen to this. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made a difference in your life. Is that anybody here tonight? If being in a community of spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, it says, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. And help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Listen to this. I love this. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourself. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. It sounds just like what Jesus did for us. He came as nothing. But what an amazing gracious miracle that happened by him giving his life for us. He came as nothing but left as everything so that we can continue to live, so that we can continue to forget ourselves and lend a helping hand. Follow that model that Jesus set up for us of selflessness, laying down our selfish thoughts, laying down our selfish desires, and looking for ways to be selfless, to change the lives of people around us. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Hey, the me I want to be, the me that I want you to be, is more and more like Jesus. Like Jesus. Did you guys get anything out of this tonight?